Hello and welcome to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. At Emmanuel Croydon, we exist to be a community drawn together by our desire to know and follow Jesus. We long to become disciples of Jesus who are equipped to serve him in the whole of life, transforming families, communities and workplaces as we love God with heart, mind, soul and strength. We hope you enjoy this week's talk from the evening service. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace to you. Tonight's reading is um, on page 735 in your pew Bibles. It's um, Isaiah 44, 1 through to 5. But now listen, O Jacob, my servant, Israel, whom I, whom I have chosen, this is what the Lord says. He who made you, who formed you in the womb, and who, who will help you. Do not be afraid, O Jacob, my servant. Jeshurun, who whom I have chosen, for I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessings on your descendants. They will spring up like grass in a meadow, like poplar trees by flowing streams. Some will say, I belong to the Lord. Others will call themselves by the name of Jacob. Still others will write on their hand, the Lord's, and will take the name Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Lord, we cry to you that you would pour out the water of your spirit on the dry and thirsty land. Amen. So, what is revival? One of my favorite topics. The first thing I want to say about this is, next slide, on this, next slide, that something revival is not. It's one of my favorite memes, this one. I think it's very powerful. Just as one does not simply walk into Mordor, one does not simply organize a revival. Because it is the work of God. It is not a political manifesto. It is not an organized event that we can put loads of time into organizing with all our plans and our schemes. It's something that we pray for, as David so eloquently said in the prayers. It is a supernatural work of God. It is a miracle amongst us. This is a definition I thought of for revival, or not that I thought of, that I thought was reflecting what the Bible has on it. Revival is the spirit of Jesus Christ, the spirit of God, poured out like life-giving water on the thirsty soul, or on the thirsty souls. It's the spirit of Jesus, or the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, all different titles for the Holy Spirit, poured out, the presence of God poured out amongst his people in an amazing and wonderful way. Water, like water gives life, the Spirit of God gives life where there is none. Okay, next one. So, as you see here, here is some grass, here is some life in the middle of a desert. And revival can be the work on an individual. It can be God's pouring out his Spirit on one person, giving them life. And you can see there's life in this grass. But you wouldn't say that this land is full of life. The grass is rather an exception here. So when we're praying for revival, we're praying not just for it on, on one individual or even just on ourselves. We're praying for it more like the next picture. 
which is from Hereford. We're praying for it to spring up, life to spring up everywhere, like the poplar trees by the streams of water, like the grass in the meadows. These are my four favorite trees from Hereford. I call them the four gospel trees. And I just love them. They're all over the skyline. And they're actually four poplar trees. So when I first discovered these verses, I was like, wow, they are the, ver- they are the trees from the Bible. It's amazing. So that's what we're praying for. We're praying for life to come everywhere, for God to pour his spirit and bring life all around us. Remember, this is all in plural. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring, plural, and my blessing on your descendants, plural. They will spring up like grass in the meadow, like poplar trees by flowing streams. It is all about all over the place, God spreading life everywhere. So what does a revival what does a revival or outpouring? What sort of things might we see with that? Then there's so much you could say on this, but I wanted to focus on two features. Yes, there you go. Two features colliding. You have desperate thirst, and that is then answered by God pouring out raging rivers. The desperate thirst is a longing for that water of God, the presence of God. The raging rivers are so powerful, like a raging river far beyond what was needed to fulfill the thirst. Much more than that, like raging rivers going into the desert, filling it with life, like these flash floods you see after, after long droughts. This is not my word for it. Next slide. This is from the Isaiah 44. Now, what is the nature of this thirst for God, this sense of thirsting for God? It is, next one, from verse 4. Thirsty land we see, dry ground. We see that there is this longing. There is this recognition that something is wrong. There is a consciousness of lack. There is a dryness. We know there's a lack of water. There's a lack of God's presence. There is a longing for God. There is a thirst. There is a longing for God who will fulfill that. That is what this is like. We know that we see we are separated from God. We see there is, we see we are conscious of our sin. We are conscious of our distance from God. We are feeling utterly unfulfilled and frustrated by everything else, by everything life offers. It's all, it's not enough. It's just not enough. And another thing we're thirsty for, next slide, is promises. Now, this is a wonderful little picture I found. Now, if you ever look up on YouTube, Bible distributions in China, it's amazing. There's so much wonderful enthusiasm, and they all just want to get the Bible and read it, and it's absolutely amazing. They are, they are an amazing example of thirsting for God's word, thirsty for promises. And at the start of the verse, at the start of the passage, it has, but now listen, Jacob, my servant, this is what the Lord says. And it is what God is saying to those who have this thirst. It's like the word of God is saying, there is something better coming. There is a wonderful outpouring coming. And the promise, the promise, the word of God is almost like the, the pre-fulfillment. It's almost like the token of fulfillment. You know, when you, if you were in the middle of a desert and you saw a sign saying, Oasis ahead, Oasis nearby, you would be like, ah, I get strength from that sign. I'm going to keep going a bit longer because there's strength in that. I have almost, there's almost a strength in knowing the promise that something's going to happen. It keeps us going. It gives us strength to keep going, to keep pushing on. And so we see a thirst for God's promises. Okay, next one. Now, what is the nature of the rivers of life that God pours out? Now, I wasn't sure how to put this, but I thought rivers of spirit life. Rivers of the spirit of God. Next one. So, as I was saying, the thirst that is so deep and so intense 
God doesn't just fulfill it by giving just what's needed to quench it. God pours out a raging stream, like a white water rafting. Uh, has anyone been white water rafting here? Anyone? Oh, a few people, that's good. Imagine that stream pouring out on the thirst. Imagine you wanted like a drink and a glass of water would be enough, but it's answered by this raging stream like coming into your face. It's so much more than what you needed. It's so much more abundant. And that's what it says. It says, I will pour out the water on a thirsty land, not just trickle it. I will pour it out. The streams, the rivers on the dry ground. The rivers and the streams are symbols of God's Holy Spirit. Jesus crying out in Jerusalem in John 7, On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood, imagine Jesus doing this, and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And it says here, but by this he meant the spirit whom those who believed on him were later to receive. These rivers are the rivers of God's own Holy Spirit. Two things about them. They are dynamic. They are moving. God's Holy Spirit is not like a gift that we receive and it sort of stays there. It's not like a stagnant pool. It is a flow through us. It is like a river flowing from within us. It continuously flows. It flows and flows. And the second thing, it is super abundant. It is so much more than anything we could long for. It is like the fulfillment of all the longings for God plus infinity more because God is infinite. It is a continuous connection with God. And the outcome means that we see revival outpouring multitudes of lives being transformed. We see people coming to know Jesus. We see salvation. We see evils and injustice ends. How we see lives overflowing with God. And don't we absolutely long for that in our world? I feel there's so much longing for that. Okay, next one. Now, the next kind of river that happens, and this, sound, this is interesting, this is, this is not what I necessarily expected to put to start with, rivers of belonging. Rivers of God's Spirit, they bring reconciliation, they bring unity, they bring oneness, they bring belonging to broken communities. Don't take my word for it again. This is from Isaiah 44. That some will say, I belong to the Lord. Others will call themselves by the name of Jacob. Still others will write on their hand the Lord's and will take the name Israel. When God pours out his Holy Spirit, it's not just our relationship with God that is fixed. It is a relationship with each other. God brings a beautiful sense of belonging, of belonging and reconciliation. It's like the symbol of a campfire, like the campfires we have in um, the gardens, the garden of the the Smiths, which is amazing. It's like a symbol for me of belonging around the campfire, everyone being there, everyone laughing together, singing together, everyone having a place there around the fire. That is a sort of belonging. And some of us have barely even tasted of that sort of belonging. You've longed for it all your life, and sometimes you've felt like, yes, this this moment here, this thing I'm in, it feels like belonging, but it oh, is so fleeting, it's so transient, and it's never enough. This belonging is a river of belonging. The belonging beyond anything, beyond anything we have known. When God's spirit is poured out in revival, belonging is poured out. Romans 12:5. In Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Belonging to Jesus, belonging to one another. So the outcome is we see revival movements, and we see this 
throughout history, they result in supernatural, wondrous reconciliation between parties who we never thought would ever come together. And we see oneness between genders, between races, between denominations, between groups of people who are absolutely separated. We need this. We need this in our church. We need this in our society. We need this in our world. There is so much horrendous division. Horrendous division. We need God's spirit to be poured out like this. Pour out this belonging and bring this reconciliation. So, next, next slide. Is this real? Now, you might hear this stuff and it sounds like, it sounds like, because it uses a lot of similar language to it, a utopian pipe dream, like you get all these different utopian ideas of this perfect society that's going to be all amazing. But this is not like that. This has actually happened throughout history. It's happened in tangible ways that we have seen that have been recorded in the history books. And so this next bit, what has really got me excited about revival, is looking at all the stories throughout the past of this happening. So we're going to go on a really quick whistle-stop tour of some of the times God has done this in the past. So... The first revival, the big outpouring of the Holy Spirit, is, of course, Pentecost. We hear at the start of Acts, the whole church was just 120 to begin with. Then Pentecost, the first outpouring of God's Spirit came, and the first fulfillment of the Isaiah 44, and we see 3,000 added in one day. And then we see this explosion of the church to overwhelm, literally overwhelm, the whole of the Roman Empire. One of the biggest human movements, possibly the biggest human movement ever to exist. So, but the next ones I'm going to do are, it's not just Pentecost, the next ones I'm going to do in the last 120 years. So I wanted to say, this is something that is current, this is now, this is something that can happen today, we can pray for and see this today. Okay, so next one. I'm going to go into a bit more detail about this one, because they really focused on Isaiah 44. So the Isle of Lewis, just off the Hebrides, off the coast of Scotland, and in the village of Barvis, Lewis, there was this wonderful move of God in 1949 to 52. So it was by these two ladies who were 82, 84 and 82 years old. One was blind and the other was overwhelmed with arthritis. They're in this picture here. And they had this sense that they were like, this land is so dry spiritually. We're longing, just like we do. We're longing for a move of God. We're longing for young people to come into the churches. We're longing for God to move. And so they felt drawn to plead with God. Isaiah 44, 3, for about three months or more. And that's, for I will pour water upon him who is thirsty and floods upon dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon thy offspring. And they pleaded this promise. And then God heard them. And here is the wonderful, I've got this written on the screen. Here is the wonderful testimony of the first night that this particular preacher came. And this person came up to him and said, Mr. Campbell, that was the man in the middle on the last slide. Something wonderful has happened. Mr. Campbell, we were praying that God would pour water on the thirsty and floods upon the dry ground, Isaiah 44. And listen, he's done it. He's done it. Will you come to, door, come to the door and see the crowd that is here? And this is literally, you can't imagine this. We've never seen this. But it actually did happen. This, the literal crowds were just coming, drawn by God, by some unknown means, drawn to come to worship together. A minister in Lewis said, I saw a sight I never thought was possible, something I should never forget. Under the starlit sky, men and women were kneeling everywhere, by the roadside, outside the cottages, even beside the peat stacks, 
crying for God to have mercy on them. Imagine this in our streets. Imagine going around the streets here, going up the hill over there, going down the streets into Croydon, and everywhere you could see people crying out to God, people walking along, crying out to God, people singing hymns in their homes. In times of revival, this is the sort of thing that has been seen throughout history again and again. Imagine that happening here. We can barely imagine it because we've never seen anything like it. This revival was characterized by this huge thirst for God. Now, whistle-stop history speeds up. Next one. Reminder of what revival is. Spirit of Jesus Christ poured out like living water upon the thirsty soul. And it's not the same in any one place. It's all different. It's not monochrome. So the next one, I love this one because it was near where I grew up. This is Wales in 1904-5. It began with thirst. Just a little group praying for the spirit. And a raging river was. Within this time, 100,000 people came to know Jesus. That was about 5% of the population at that time. Imagine that across the population of the UK. We're talking about 3,350,000 people equivalent. Why am I saying numbers? Not because numbers are sort of somehow valuable in their own right. It's because every one of those people, every one of those 100,000 is a precious child of God, a precious creation of God. And so we're seeing this movement amongst these multitudes, each one of whom is so precious to him. Now, next one. Inspired by the Welsh Revival, we went across the Atlantic, and in 1906, there was this amazing outpouring on Azusa Street in Los Angeles. It began with thirst. It began with a small group praying for the Spirit, and the raging river was this amazing worship service that came together. In a time of segregation, we saw wondrous unity across classes, races, and genders. The ministry of women was incredibly powerful there. There were women and men likewise ministered together. Everyone belonged. This was the birth of the Pentecostal movement worldwide. It has spread all over the world, had huge impacts in the nation of Africa and uh, in the the continent of Africa and, and South America. The World Christian Encyclopedia estimates 644 million Pentecostal charismatics are across the world now. And that was birthed in this tiny movement to begin with, of people praying for God to pour out his spirit. It was a movement in Catholic Church as well, the Catholic renewal. It affected all denominations. Next one. So, around the next year, we had Pyongyang, which is now the capital of North Korea. At this point, Korea was one nation. And this was called the Korean Pentecost. Again, it began with thirst, except this time it was confession and reconciliation. The church leaders, the missionaries that were there, confessed to everyone that they had all these enmity with each other, and they reconciled with each other. And that was the moment, the the fire that lit the touch paper of this movement. And the church grew in Korea by 2.5 million from 1907 to 1977. This amazing movement of God began in this small way, confession of prayer, of reconciliation. Now, next one. I really like this one. Um, The Jesus People Movement. This is where the hippie subculture collided with the gospel in the USA to begin with. Again, it began with thirst. Lots of people in the churches were like, oh, the hippies, they're way too far gone. Well, they they don't fit into our traditional church structures. They've got long hair and colorful shirts. Oh, (laughs) They they don't fit in at all. Um, But there was these people longing to reach out to them. 
And there was coffee house missions in San Francisco just beginning uh, in the late 60s. Just small groups of people longing, praying to reach out. And what happened is God responded with a raging river. There was the March for Jesus in Wellington we have here of 27,000 to celebrate Jesus, mostly people in their 20s and 30s. In one church, next slide, Calvary Chapel, we had this amazing situation. 500 people were being baptized every month for two years. You can't really imagine something like that, but this is literally what happened. The movement was vast. You see the way they're all pointing like that? That was a symbol. I don't know if anyone has ever seen this before. They all pointed Jesus as the one way. That was, the, like, that was like the symbol of this movement. Um, by 1977, already two million in the USA alone had radical transformation and came to Jesus. Next slide. Now, for me, this is an absolute dream come true. This is one of the baptism services. You see, this, and this happened loads of times, people being baptized in the sea, multitudes wanting, longing to know Jesus from this, particularly from the hippie subculture. And I see that, and I'm like, that is a dream come true. Imagine if we were seeing every, every month 500 people that were longing to come to Jesus, and we had to rent out all the coaches in Croydon to take them to Brighton, and baptize them in the sea, in multitudes across the beaches. And that sounds ridiculous, but that is what was happening in California in the 70s. This is what God can do. Okay, next one, I'm going to do the last few. Now, this one, China. China was known for the intense persecution that the church is undergoing there. Here is where the state demolished the church. There is incredible persecution. There's this incredible thirst in the church there. Huge movement to prayer, huge movement to longing for the word of God. And in the midst of the persecution, which shows that none of this is by human means, God has exploded the church there. It's been called the biggest revival in the human history. In 1949, we had about one million Christians in China. By 1999, 50 years later, you're talking about 90 million. It's incredible numbers. You can't even imagine something like that. Not by human means. And ongoing and exploding, growing to this day. God is at work in China this very day in ways that are absolutely beyond our imagination. And last one of the examples. Asprey. This is 2023. This is this year. I remember looking at this with great interest. The February 8th to 24th this year, there was a student worship service in Asprey that just continued going. And it kept going for a few days. And there was no hype. There was no sort of trying to like build everything up, there was just this wonderful sense of God encountering people peacefully, wonderfully encouraging them, bringing them back to him. We had 50 to 70,000 people visiting this chapel. Here's one of the pictures taken. People just, they couldn't all fit in. They were kneeling outside. This is the move of God this year. This is what God can do even today. And so this is for us. This is what we are responding with. Now, this picture, you probably recognize it. That is, of course, you see the M25 around the outside there. This is Greater London from Space. In this view, on this picture, we see over 9 million people. Way more than 9 million people would be there. We were part of, well, maybe, maybe you were there in that picture somewhere. We are here in this bottom, but I found where the hearst was in a little shape, a black shape there. And 9 million people. This promise is for us. Peter in Acts 2.39 said, This promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Do you feel thirsty? Do you feel God calling you? This call is spoken of here. To cry for the Holy Spirit to be poured out like he has done countless times throughout history on the millions of people in this area, in our nation, in the world. 
God has done this before. He can do it again in more wonderful ways than we could ever imagine. And I'd like to invite the band up. And if you'd like to, you'd like to stand together, we're going to have a time of prayer in a moment. Thanks for listening to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. For more information about our church and everything we have going on, visit our website, emmanuelcroydon.org.uk. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram to see and hear what's going on in the life of our church. God bless you and have a wonderful week.